إن هذا القرآن يهدي للتي هي أقوم ويبشر المؤمنين ويبشر المؤمنين الذين يعملون الصالحات أن لهم أجرا كبيرا بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم هل أتى على الإنسان حين من الدهر لم يكن شيئا مذكورا إنا خلقنا الإنسان من نطفة أمشاج نبتليه فجعلناه سميعا بصيرا إنا هديناه السبيل إما شاكرا وإما كفورا إنا أعتدنا للكافرين سلاسل وأغلالا وسعيرا إن الأبرار يشربون من كأس كان مزاجها كافورا عينا يشرب بها عباد الله يفجرونها تفجيرا يوفون بالنذر ويخافون يوما كان شره مستطيرا ويطعمون الطعام على حبه مسكينا ويتيما وأسيرا إنما نطعمكم لوجه الله لا نريد منكم جزاء ولا شكورا إنا نخاف من ربنا يوما عبوسا قمطريرا فوقاهم الله شر ذلك اليوم ولقاهم نضرة وسرورا وجزاهم بما صبروا جنة وحريرا متكئين فيها على الأرائك لا يرون فيها شمسا ولا زمهريرا ودانية عليهم ظلالها وذللت قطوفها تذليلا ويطاف عليهم بآنية من فضة وأكواب كانت قواريرا قوارير من فضة قدروها تقديرا ويسقون فيها كأسا كان مزاجها زنجبيلا عينا فيها تسمى سلسبيلا ويطوف عليهم ولدان مخلدون إذا رأيتهم حسبتهم لؤلؤا منثورا وإذا رأيت ثم رأيت نعيما وملكا كبيرا 
عاليهم ثياب سندس خضر واستبرق وحلوا اساور من فضه وسقاهم ربهم شرابا طهورا ان هذا كان لكم جزاء وكان سعيكم مشكورا انا نحن نزلنا عليك القران تنزيلا فاصبر لحكم ربك ولا تطع منهم اثما او كفورا واذكر اسم ربك بكره واصيلا ومن الليل فاسجد له وسبحه ليلا طويلا ان هؤلاء يحبون العاجله ويذرون وراءهم ويذرون وراءهم يوما ثقيلا نحن خلقناهم وشددنا أسرهم وإذا شئنا بدلنا أمثالهم تبديلا إن هذه تذكرة فمن شاء اتخذ إلى ربه سبيلا وما تشاءون إلا أن يشاء الله إن الله كان عليما حكيما يدخل من يشاء في رحمته والظالمين أعد لهم عذابا أليما السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته تبارك به in whose hands is the dominion and he is capable of all things he has beautified the heavens with their constellations and the angels with their many wings the angels glorify his honor to him the sun prostrates and in his praise do the birds sing. He is the Dhul Jalali Wal Ikram, the one of majesty and honor, the King of Kings. All praise and glory be to him who is the Lord of both the jinns and of human beings. And may peace be upon our Prophet Wasallam, who was sent as a warner and a bearer of glad tidings. Today, inshallah ta'ala, we're doing uh, the Jews 29th, uh, the 29th Jews. So we have quite a lot of surahs to do. And we're going to begin with uh, Surah Tabarak, which is a mid-Makkan surah. And of course, Surah Tabarak, also called Surah Mulk, uh, is a surah that our Prophet wasallam told us, saves us from the punishment of the grave. And in one hadith, he said that this surah will intercede, make shafa'a in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until the sins of the one who recites and memorizes it will be forgiven. So we 
should definitely try to memorize uh, Surah uh, Tabarak, also called Surah Al-Mulk, and uh, act upon it and understand it. The Surah, the primary theme is the demonstration of the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How Allah's dominion, His mulk, His kingdom is manifested in His creation, and therefore how alone He is worthy of worship. It is one of only two Surahs in the Quran that begins with Tabarak, the other one of course being Surah Furqan that we have already done. And it is Allah subhanahu, subhanahu wa ta'ala who is Tabarak, the source of blessings. He is exalted in His essence and all blessings and good come from Him. Why? Because all of the dominion and the control belongs to Him and He is capable of all things. He is the one who has created death and life to test you, to see which amongst you is doing the best of deeds. He has created this magnificent creation. So the surah challenges, look as far as the eye can see. You won't see any flaw. You won't see any imperfection. Look again, do you see any mistakes? And then look again and again, and your eyes will come back tired, but you will not find any imperfections or flaws. Surely a creator that is as powerful as this and as mighty as this, he deserves to be worshipped. And that is the creator who is indeed Tabarak. How can you not worship him? The surah then mentions punishments for those who are too blind to take heed of the miracles and who ignore the message and when they are brought to the fire of hell, the angels cannot believe that people end up in Jahannam. Can you believe the angels are shocked? How could you possibly end up here? It was so obvious that you should be worshipping Allah. And the angels ask them, didn't messengers come to you? And they say, indeed, messengers did come, but we rejected them. How we wish we had listened. And if only we had used our intelligence, we would not be here. Again and again, dear Muslims, the intelligence that is praiseworthy is not in and of itself in discovering the equations that govern the power of the atom. That is a separate type of intelligence and I'm not making fun of it. It is very interesting, it's very nice and, 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 and mashallah for that. But the ultimate intelligence is in understanding the purpose of life. And that level of intelligence is accessible to every single human being. You don't need a PhD in astrophysics to get to that level of intelligence. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the people who ended up in Jahannam, they, they criticized themselves. If only we were smart enough to have followed the messengers. That is the ultimate intelligence. If your intelligence does not guide you to the truth of Allah, then your intelligence has indeed failed you. And remember this verse as well, next time you are alone, verse number 12, in that Allah says in the Quran, that indeed those who are in awe of their Lord in private, those that are fil uh, ghayb, they are bil ghaybi, they are fearful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yakhshawna rabbahum bil ghayb, those are the ones who will have forgiveness and a mighty reward. And therefore, next time you're all alone, remember Allah is watching you. And if you can fear Allah in the secrecy of what you think is privacy, then indeed you will be the one who will be forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't want to be in the other camp. Verse number 27, when they see the impending doom, their faces of those who disbelieved will become dark. We don't want to be in that camp. The surah concludes by affirming our belief in Ar-Rahman and by telling us that we should put our trust in Him. And those who reject Allah, they are told, this very water that you drink, if Allah had willed, it would disappear. And if it disappeared, who could possibly bring back that water for you? The next surah, Surah Al-Qalam, is an early Meccan surah. 
all of the surahs today are early Meccan uh, surahs. And Surah Al-Qalam is called Qalam. The Qalam here is a reference to the divine pen. Our Prophet Sallallahu said the first thing that Allah created was the pen. And Allah said to the pen, write. And the pen said, what should I write? And, the, the pen, and Allah said, write everything that will happen until the day of judgment. So that is the divine pen that wrote down the Qadr, the, the, qadr, the predestination. And this surah gives a Qasam by that. Noon wal Qalami wa ma yasturun. This is one interpretation. Another interpretation is, Allah is swearing by the act of writing and anything that is written and Allah knows best. And the theme here of this surah is to honor the Prophet Sallallahu and to discuss the temporary nature of this world and the permanency of the hereafter. Our Nabi Sallallahu is praised in this surah by one of the highest praises in the Quran when Allah says, وَإِنَّكَ لَا عَلَىٰ خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ And truly, indeed, O Messenger of Allah, you are a man of outstanding character. So Allah has said that his character is exemplary. He is the most outstanding character human being that ever has walked on the face of this earth. Therefore, dear follower of this man, surely that akhlaq should try to be also be found in you, a portion of it, a small amount of it. Try your best to embody the exemplary character of our Prophet so that inshaAllah ta'ala you can be considered of his ummah. The next uh, surah, uh, the next uh, uh, portion of this surah deals with the story of those who owned a luxurious garden and they wanted to hide the fruits of this garden and be stingy. And they conspired amongst themselves to not give charity to any poor person, thinking that that would preserve their wealth. And this uh, story at the end of it shows us that because of their stinginess, their wealth was destroyed. And this is a, star a, a very stark lesson for all of us that giving charity Charity preserves our wealth. Giving charity increases our wealth and being stingy and miserly is not going to be of benefit. This is the beauty of our Iman and our faith in Allah that when we give, Allah will give us back much more than what we have given. The surah then moves on to a vivid description of the day of judgment and that on the day of judgment, they will be asked to prostrate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But those who did not prostrate in this world will not be able to prostrate on the day of judgment. This is food for thought and an encouragement for all of us to be amongst those who prostrate frequently. The next surah, Surah Al-Haqqah, is an early Meccan surah that deals with the destruction of previous civilizations and also the day of judgment. And most of the themes of this surah and of the next of this Jews and of the next Jews, most of the themes of these smaller surahs, the main focus is indeed the day of judgment and belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And al-haqqa comes from the word haqq, truth. So al-haqqa, that which is inevitably true, that which is the ultimate truth, there is nothing more truer than al-haqqa. And of course the reference to it is the day of judgment. The day of judgment is true. And Surah Al-Haqqah has powerful imagery of the day of judgment. And again and again, uh, the, uh, the details of that day are described in language that is just very, very powerful. Listen to the surah, all of these surahs, listen to them. The early Makkah surahs in particular, they are simply, uh, the eloquence there is just mesmerizing. And it is something that you don't even need to understand Arabic to appreciate the majesty of those uh, uh, verses. Also, Surah Al-Haqqah, it mentions the concept of receiving the books in the right and in the left hand. 
And so uh, the one who passes and receives it in the right hand, he will hold it and he will cry out, Ha Come, read my record. He's going to be so happy. You know, when we uh, pass on an exam, we just shout out with joy, even if we're on the street or we're in our departments, we just say, hey, I passed, I got an A. You're so happy you got that. Can you imagine your happiness for passing the exam of life? Can you imagine your happiness when you're told you're going to enter Jannah? We want to be in that category. And then, of course, the opposite, that those who uh, failed, those who got the book in the left hand, they will be downcast, they will be gloomy, they will be sad. The surah as well takes on the claims of the rejectors of the Qur'an, that the Qur'an is nothing but magic or a new type of poetry or something of this nature. And uh, this surah uh, rejects those false claims. And it says that the Qur'an is a tanzeelum min rabbil alameen. It is a divine revelation that has come down from the Lord of this world. And the ending of this surah, and again, this is, remember, this is an early Meccan surah. The Prophet wasallam is just beginning to teach and preach in the people of Mecca. And so a verse comes that is very interesting. If you don't know the context, you might think, what is this talking about? But uh, it is an indication that our Prophet ﷺ has no right to lie against Allah. And it is a very harsh verse that is not meant for the Prophet ﷺ as much as it is meant for the Quraysh. We need to understand this. If he falsely attributed any statement to us, if the Prophet ﷺ dared to say anything from Allah that is not from Allah, then the Quran is saying we would have held him by his right hand and we would have severed his lifeline, his aorta. Nothing would have stopped. You could not have come between us and that uh, punishment. We, nothing could have shielded him from us if he were to dare lie against us. The threat here is not for the Prophet ﷺ. It is so that the Quraysh understands that he is a messenger and no messenger in human history has ever lied against Allah because that would negate the very concept of prophecy. It is true that the Prophets might you know, make some minor mistakes or slippings in human human emotions like our father Adam ate from the tree, but no prophet has ever or could ever utter a lie against Allah because that would negate the very concept of him being chosen by Allah to be a prophet. And this verse is one of many, many indications that the Quran is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No prophet would put, no, uh, excuse me, no false prophet would put this type of language in, in which it is said that if you lie, you will be killed by your own God. This is not a language that comes from, a'udhu billah, the mind of somebody who's false prophet. This is the language that is coming from Allah to indicate that this mortal that we have chosen, his job is to convey, his job is not to concoct, his job is to spread the message and not to attribute falsely unto us. Uh, the next surah, Surat Al-Ma'arij. And Al-Ma'arij means the ways to come up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah is the one who owns those ways. Dhul Ma'arij. Allah is the one. How do you go up? Allah is the one who maintains and controls that. And this, uh, the theme of this surah, again, like all of these surahs almost really, it deals with the day of judgment. But again, each one of these surahs, I'm saying it deals with the day of judgment. Yet when you read it, there is no repetition. You don't get bored. That is the real miracle of the Quran. The same concept or theme in a different manner, in a manner that you never get tired of reading and with different details. So Surah Al-Ma'arij, once again, it depicts the Day of Judgment and the potential uh, punishments and rewards. It also has, again, a very early Meccan Surah. It also has one of the earliest descriptions of what it means to be uh, a pious person or a good Muslim. 
So Allah says in verse 19, that, uh, that um, uh, man was created halu'a, man was created restless and impatient. When touched by adversity, he becomes fretful, moaning, complaining. And when good happens to him, then he becomes ungenerous or stingy. Subhanallah. It's, uh, Allah is telling us that how impatient is man? He is never happy. When he's good, he becomes arrogant and stingy. When he's bad, he's moaning, groaning, complaining all the time. Subhanallah, then Allah makes an exception. One category of people are not like this. Who are they? المصلين, those who uh, are uh, 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 pray, uh, the, uh, those who are da'imun in their prayer, they're constant in their uh, prayer. Daimun, they're regularly uh, praying. And those whose uh, wealth has a share to be given unto the poor. And those who give their wealth to the beggar and the deprived. And those who affirm the day of judgment. And those who guard their chastity. And those who honor their trust. And those who stand by their testimonies. And then once again, and those who are dedicated to their prayers. Subhanallah, in this surah, in Surah Al-Mu'minun, in other verses, Allah begins with prayer and ends with prayer. And this is a stark reminder to all of us that our prayers had better be regular. Also notice a very interesting point here, that the verse says that mankind are psychologically finicky, that they're never satisfied. They're always, if you know, in good or in bad, there's problems with them. Then Allah says, except those who are righteous and they are praying and doing good. And what this shows is that piety, it actually brings a sense of calmness to our lives. Piety with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually makes life easier. Notice the mumbling and grumbling, the complaining, uh, the stinginess. This then goes away when we turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is of course the general rule. Obviously this is not to state that there's no such thing as uh, psychological issues, that is a separate category. Nonetheless, the general rule is that the one who has religion, the one who has Allah, the one who is religious, generally speaking, they're able to cope better uh, barring other issues, as we said, because again, I don't want to dismiss or the sensitivity of sometimes there is a medical issue which you need to see a proper uh, a doctor with. Uh, but generally speaking, if everything is normal and fine with the human psyche, uh, religiosity does make a person's uh, issues of this world more easy to deal with. And a lack of religion, uh, leads to uh, a sense of exasperation, a sense of frustration, a sense of idleness or heedlessness, uh, and, and even a sense of maybe even a type of depression uh, that generally speaking, again, I'm being very generic here, uh, religion will come in handy with. And this verse is one such indication that turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even helps us deal with the problems of this world, and of course, uh, will bless us in the next world, because Allah says in verse 35, those who are the ones honored in the gardens of Jannah. And the surah uh, concludes that once we have done our warning, let them play, let them blunder about until they meet uh, that, that day that they have been promised. And once again, just like so many other surahs, we are told, it's not our job to be judge, jury, and executioner. You do your job, let them wander and play, let them do what they're doing, and they will meet that, that day, and they will meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, the next surah is Surah uh, Nuh. 
And Surah Nuh, of course, it is called Surah Nuh because it deals with, most of it deals with the story of Nuh alayhi salam. And this is a mid-Makki Surah. And in going over the story of Nuh alayhi salam, this is a lesson both for our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam to be patient and to warn uh, to his people in the manner that Nuh did. And also, it is a message for the Quraysh, what will happen to you if you reject your Prophet like the people of Nuh, what happened to them when they rejected their Prophet. So the story of Nuh uh, serves a key purpose to both the Prophet to be patient and to the Quraysh and a warning to them that they had better believe. And one of the key passages, and of course one of the oft-quoted passages of Surah Nuh, is uh, that him telling his people the benefits of seeking forgiveness. فَقُلْتُ اسْتَغْفِرُوا رَبَّكُمْ إِنَّهُ كَانَ غَفَّارًا I said to them, Ask your Lord for forgiveness. Surely He is the most forgiving. He will let loose upon you the skies with lots of rain. And He will provide you with wealth and with children. And He will give you gardens and He will give you rivers. What is the matter with you that you do not appreciate the greatness and the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So the Prophet Nuh, so many thousands and thousands of years ago, has the same message as all of the Prophets. Ask Allah's forgiveness. And subhanAllah, when you ask Allah's forgiveness, what will happen? Not only will you be forgiven, but the skies will rain upon you. You will have an increase in your wealth and your children. You will have an increase in your properties and in your all risks that will come to you. Why don't you do this? Doesn't it make sense to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and be forgiven and be given this world and the next world? Uh, this surah as well, it mentions the uh, names of the idols of Nuh's people. And this is the only other place uh, other than Surah Al-Najm where the idols are mentioned by uh, name, where the idols are mentioned by name. That uh, Allah, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions Waddan, Suwa'an, Yaghuthan, Ya'uq, and Nasr. These are the five idols that the people of Nuh worshipped. And it is said that perhaps some of these idols were still around in faraway places of Arabia, but they were not common in the main lands of the Hijaz of Mecca and Medina. And this is an interesting, subtle indication that we can benefit from from, that it is always useful to use history as well to make our points of da'wah. The Quraysh are being told that you're not the first who did idols. Your idolatry goes back way before to the people of Nuh and they had different idols. Now you have your idols, different gods, but the same concept. And just like they were wrong, you too are wrong. The Quraysh are being told they're on the wrong side of history and the Quran is using history lessons. And that is why, uh, again, I say this a lot in my lectures as well, that one of the uh, most underappreciated uh, sciences that is so important is that of history. And I advise uh, my students that they should really study Islamic history. It will really broaden their horizons. It also lowers fanaticism as well. And it makes a person mature and wise. No person who studies history can really get involved with any of these fringe or extreme uh, movements because it tempers you down, makes you understand the reality of human existence. And the Quran references history so often. Uh, the next surah, Surah Al-Jinn. Surah Al-Jinn is of course everybody's favorite late night conversation surah. Lots of mythological tales around it. In fact, Surah Al-Jinn is quite straightforward. Uh, and it is a, a late Makki surah actually, not an early Makki surah. It's a late Makki surah. Perhaps even it was revealed after uh, the incident of Ta'if, uh, where some of the jinn had converted to Islam on the way back 
uh, from Ta'if the Prophet وسلم, had some jinns embracing Islam. We don't know exactly when this uh, conversation takes place in Surah Al-Jinn, mid to late uh, Makki. And uh, in this surah, we are told that even the jinn, they recognize the beauty of the Quran and they recognize the truth of the Prophet And Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala is subtly demonstrating the foolishness of the Quraysh because the Quraysh would have many superstitious uh, beliefs about the jinn. And Allah in this surah overall praises the jinn. That, uh, and of course, He praises the uh, believing category of the jinn because the surah is very explicit. Verse number 11, that uh, w- uh, w- that Allah says, وَمِنَ الْقَاسِطُونَ Some of us, th- uh, that uh, we are righteous and we are other than righteous. قِدَدًا We are of different uh, factions. وَإِنَّ مِنَّ الْمُسْلِمُونَ Some of us are Muslimun and some of us are not Muslimun. So this surah tells us uh, of the many things that it tells us that uh, the jinns are not one faction. There are many different groups, just like men are not one race. They're not one entity. They're not one group. They have multiple tribes. They have multiple nationalities, multiple factions amongst them. So too, the jinn are very divided amongst themselves. Don't think that they are all one. And there are righteous jinn amongst them. There are God-fearing Muslim jinns and those jinn they are our brethren in faith and in Islam, subhanAllah. Our Prophet said, Ikhwanukum min al-jinn, in one hadith uh, that I have spoken about, and definitely don't, don't want to go into this tangent of jinns or else we will spend many, many hours. Nonetheless, I will reference you, I have given multiple lectures about the reality of jinn in the Quran and Sunnah, you will find it on uh, YouTube. Uh, the surah uh, concludes, so the point I wanted to stress here, by the way, before I move on, the Quraysh are being told that these jinn that you mythologize, these jinn that you consider to be whatever, they have recognized the truth. How can you not have recognized the truth? They have worshipped Allah because Allah describes the Muslim jinn in Surah Al-Jinn and they recognize the truth of the Prophet ﷺ because they would go up to the heavens and all of a sudden that has stopped. And so news began to spread. Why has this stopped? What is going on? There's something new in the world that we are now being prevented. And so they hear of the coming of the Prophet and when the servant of Allah and here Abdullah means the Prophet Muhammad wasallam. So when he came, uh, the jinn realized something is, is new and they accepted Islam. The surah as well concludes with a very interesting verse that the Prophet ﷺ is being told, he's being told to announce that he does not have any knowledge of the unseen, any knowledge of the ghaib, except if Allah has given him that knowledge. So he does not know what is going to happen tomorrow. He does not know anything of the unseen unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs him of something. In this case, obviously, then he will know. And so that is why this surah, Surah Al Jinn, uh, is being revealed to the Prophet ﷺ because he is being told something of the knowledge of the unseen. Now, if our Prophet ﷺ does not have the knowledge of the unseen, then anyone who claims to have knowledge of the unseen is simply lying. Do not believe anybody who thinks that they can know the future or know your what's going to happen tomorrow or predict this and that. SubhanAllah, I did, honestly, again, I have to say this, 
how can anybody be so foolish that you think you're gonna go to somebody who will predict your future and he's charging you, you know, a few dollars or a few pounds or a few reals or a few rupees. If he really knew the future, he would not have to charge you five, 10 rupees or pounds to tell the future. He would become very successful by knowing the future. Nobody knows the future except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this surah clearly uh, proves that point as well. Uh, the next surah, Surah Al-Muzammil. Surah Al-Muzammil uh, is the uh, third revelation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed. So now we're going back to the very earliest of revelations. Iqra' Muddathir Muzammil. Most, this is the uh, standard narrative. Iqra' was the first surah, and then uh, Muddathir, and then Muzammil. And so this is Surah Al-Muzammil, the third revelation, the first the first verses of it, or the third revelation. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa is being warned how to prepare for the challenges ahead and for the and for the the spiritual preparation that is need, needed that what does the quran say ya ayyuhal muzammil o you who is wrapped up stand up and pray for most of the night nisfahu half of the night or a little bit less, fine. Or even pray more than that. Subhanallah, half the night, that is four hours of salah, three and a half hours of salah, constant salah. Our Prophet is being told from the very beginning, he's just been made, he's a newly, you know, minted, a newly upgraded Prophet. He was a regular human being, a shepherd. He was just doing his stuff. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala conferred upon him the prophecy. The third revelation, barely a few weeks after he has seen Jibreel, what is one of the first commandments? Go ahead and start praying the night. And then what else? And recite the Quran with tartil. Why? Why are you being told to pray at night? Why are you being told to recite the Quran? Tartil means with a slow, melodious voice. Tartil means observing the rules of recitation. Tartil means you try your best to make it sound good. So it is being uh, reinforced. It is a mechanism of Arabic that is meant to reinforce that go ahead and recite your, the, your, the, the Qur'an in a good recitation. Why? Inna We are going to ask you to carry a very heavy burden. Inna Truly, the visual of the night, the visual of the night, meaning the worship of the night, is the most impactful and the best for recitation. And as for the day, You have a lengthy task to do. It's not easy to worship Allah during the day. During the day, dear brothers and sisters, we take out a few minutes of our fard salah, and we think we have done a lot. And indeed, that is all that is required of us. It's not required to pray Salat al-Tahajjud. But it is during those five salawat, if you actually count on your clock, you calculate. And I want you to do that. Literally calculate how long your five salawat take. You will find out that on average, it takes less than half an hour out of your 24 hours. So Allah is saying, you have a long duty of the day. You're busy. You're giving da'wah for the Prophet and For the rest of us, we're going to work doing what? So you have the night. The night in the nashi'atayl. That the vigil of the night is the most impactful and the best for recitation. And then Allah says that always do dhikr of your Lord and devote him, devote yourself to him with utter devotion. Subhanallah. This 
section really explains to us the necessity of doing extra actions of worship. Again, this is not a requirement, you're not ob obliged to do it, but at the same time, as I've said multiple times, the Quran is very clear. If you wanna get into the first class of Jannah, if you wanna get to the highest levels, the primary mechanism that you begin that journey, and you will not get to the first class without this, is through the Salat al-Tahajjud, through the night prayer, and through reciting the Quran, especially at night during your Salat al-Tahajjud. Also in Surah Al-Muzzammil, look at the last verse where Allah praises those who pray at night. <coughs> Allah praises those who pray at night and who pray a third or, or half or two thirds of the night. And Allah commands them as well, the companions, to recite whatever they can of the Quran and to give charity. Now all of this shows us a very important thing as well, and that is that the primary means of fortifying our soul, the primary means of overcoming difficulties is the night prayer. And it is in the Quran, and of course overall in the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is in these aspects that our ranks are raised. And my advice to myself and all of you, dear Muslims, is that see what you can do in these areas. And if you cannot do it regularly, then at least do it occasionally. My genuine advice to all of you, I understand, we all understand, tahajjud is a very difficult salah. Okay, if you can't do it every single night, start once a week, once every month, I mean, have it regular in your routine that I'm going to pray tahajjud at least this much. And then once in a while, just start increasing and see for yourself where it goes. Also, another advice to myself and all of you, recite the Quran with tartil. Do you know, dear Muslims, that the science of Tajweed is considered to be, and it is the easiest science of all of Islam. The books of Tajweed, the easier ones, they're little treatises and pamphlets, very small things. The rules of Ghunna, the rules of Mad, the rules of Ra. Take a Quran teacher and start learning how to recite the Quran properly. And you will start mastering day by day, week by week. May Allah make it easy for all of us. The next surah is Surah Al-Muddathir. And of course, Surah Al-Muddathir, we are all aware of it because this is the second revelation of the Quran after Iqra. The very second revelation was Surah Al-Muddathir. When our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam received the revelation of Iqra and he came back to Khadija Radiallahu Anha and he was indeed terrified. And he did say Zambiluni Dathiruni that time as well. Then uh, a few weeks passed and he didn't see Jibreel. So he thought whatever happened, he didn't really think about it. Few weeks passed, maybe six weeks, a month and a half, some say, six weeks passed. And then he saw Jibreel one more time. And this time he again came back rushing to Khadija. And this time again he said Zambiluni and Dathiruni. And he covered me up, cover me up. And this time when he went back to Khadija and Khadija covered him, this was the time when Ya Ayyuhal, Muddathir was revealed. Some people mistakenly uh, understand that Muddathir was revealed like half an hour after Iqra. No, a few weeks had gone by and this was a second incident when he saw Jibreel and all the fear that he had. What is this magnificent entity? What is going on here? He just began trembling and then after that he never became scared subhanAllah. After this revelation, everything went subhanAllah and he became the Prophet. So it is said and Allah knows best that with Iqra he became a Nabi and with Muddathir he became a Rasul and Allah knows best. So Ya Ayyuhal Muddathir Oh you, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> oh you who is wrapped up in your blanket, ya ayyuhal muddathir. 
And what death did here is again, he's wrapped up in his blanket. And you know when you're wrapped up in a blanket, you feel that feeling of safety, right? You feel like this is your security blanket. So he is being told, oh you who is wrapped up in a blanket, يَا Throw aside your safety, throw aside that blanket, because you have a mission, you have a task, stand up and accept this task, and go forth and warn the people. And while you do so, then وَرَبَّكَ فَكَبِّرُ Remember, you must always prioritize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, show reverence to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you're doing that, وَثِيَابَكَ فَطَاهِرُ Make sure that you are pure outwardly and internally. How can you preach unto others to be pure if you yourself are not pure? وَالرُّجْزَ فَهْجُرُ And shun all types of idolatry. وَلَا تَمْنُنْ تَسْتَكْثِرُ And if you do any good deed, make sure you do it for the sake of good and not for the sake of getting it back. If you do a favor, don't expect that favor to be returned. You are doing it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلِرَبِّكَ فَاصْبِرْ And all throughout this as you are doing this, be patient for the sake of Allah because it won't be easy. And your patience has to be linked with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are some very, very powerful verses. The eloquence here truly is divine. The symbolism, every single phrase here, it means one thing and then it means 10 other things as well. Subhanallah, truly, absolutely magnificent, the beauty of the second uh, revelation over here. Then after a while, after a year or two, or maybe even three, the next portion of the surah was revealed. And that portion, it, uh, it describes Al-Walid ibn Al-Mughira. And Al-Walid ibn Al-Mughira is the father or was the father of Khalid ibn Al-Walid uh, of the Banu Makhzum. And he was one of the leaders of the Banu Makhzum tribe. And Al-Walid was blessed with very much wealth. And the first time that he heard the Prophet Sallallahu he was mesmerized and he didn't know what to think of it. And so Abu Jahl came to him and said, look, you know, your reaction of being stunned when he heard the Prophet reciting, Al-Walid was just stunned in public. He had never heard anything like this. And Al-Walid was the most prominent uh, chieftain, the most prominent uh, wealthy person and nobleman in all of Arabia, the son, the father of Khalid ibn Al-Walid, right? So this is Al-Walid ibn Al-Mughira. So when he heard the Quran for the first time, people could see his face change. And he went back like in stunned silence. Abu Jahl came and said, look, this is not acceptable. What happened outside, everybody saw you stunned. You cannot maintain your silence. So Walid said, let me, give me some time, let me think. And SubhanAllah, when he's thinking and doing what he's doing, Allah revealed these verses, describing him in the privacy of his house, describing him thinking Abasa, uh, that, he, that um, uh, he, he frowned and he scowled. And he began walking back and forth. And he began claiming that this Quran is a special type of magic. In hadha illa sihrun yu'thar. In hadha illa qawlu al-bashar. Before Al-Walid could say this, Allah revealed exactly what Walid would say. And when Walid said it, the Muslims already had the Quran. And they're like, hey, this is exactly what you said would happen. And Allah described him in the privacy of his house doing what he did. What an amazing revelation over here. Uh, the surah also has, uh, once again, the conversations of the people of Jahannam with the angels and here the angels ask uh, the people of Jahannam how could you end up here? What did you do wrong? And listen to this, the first thing that they say, it's longer the list, go read it. The first thing that they say, قَالُوا لَمْ نَكُوا مِنَ الْمُصَلِّينَ They said, 
we were not of those who used to pray, subhanAllah. So this is a very powerful verse that we had better be of those who pray. We had better be people who are regularly praying and associate with people who pray as well. And uh, this surah, by the way, it has a, a personal fr phrase that is one of my favorites of the Quran that Allah Azza wa Jal describes the kuffar of the Quraysh that uh, uh, Allah Azza wa Jal says, فَمَا لَهُمْ عَنِ التَّذْكِرَةِ مُعْرِضُونَ كَأَنَّهُمْ حُمُرٌ مُسْتَنْفِرَةٌ فَرَّتْ مِنْ قَسْوَرَةٌ It's v really, uh, uh, if you like, uh, the words that are being used here are rarely used, and they're very precise words, and this is very eloquent. That what is the matter with them that they're fleeing away from the Qur'an as if they are frightened zebras running away from a lion. And Allah uses the word qaswara, which is very uh, rare again in Arabic. It's there, but it's, it's a word in Arabic. But again, the eloquence of that section here, I personally, it's one of the uh, the phrases, even as, even as a child, I would uh, recite this and look at the meaning and I was very mesmerized by it. It's a beautiful phrase in the Quran. Frightened zebras running away from an attacking lion. That's how Allah Azza wa describes people when the truth comes and they want to just run away as if they don't want to hear the uh, truth. Uh, the next surah, Surah Al-Qiyamah. And Surah Al-Qiyamah is an early Meccan uh, surah. In fact, this is uh, the surah that was revealed probably within the first year of revelation. And again, it's a very, very powerful surah. And this is, again, I haven't said today that this is one of my favorite surahs because honestly, I kid you not, uh, especially Juz Tabarak and Juz Amma, I mean, all of the surahs are so powerful. Meccan eloquence is really uh, something that is just a different level and it's just so beautiful. So, but especially uh, surah Surah Al-Qiyamah and then Surah Al-Insan in this juz and Surah Mulk of course. And then of course you can add Surah Haqqa and while you're at it, just add Ma'adij as well. And then Surah Nuh, I always recite that. But anyway, so uh, Surah Al-Qiyamah uh, is another beautiful, powerful Surah. And uh, it reminds people of Qiyamah. It's called Qiyamah because of Qiyamah, the judgment. And again, the language is just so eloquent and so uh, precise and so powerful. And the Qiyamah, Surah Al-Qiyamah, uh, Allah swears by uh, the day of judgment that did not people know that we can reassemble their bones, that Did people really think that we cannot bring their bones together? Rather, we can even uh, reconstruct the tips of their uh, fingers, meaning the most finest details, and some have said this reference is like the, the fingerprints, but the point is the finest details, like you think that we cannot even make your whole body, we can reconstruct you down to the finest aspect of your creation. And uh, the, the surah as well uh, mentions that on that day, uh, people will testify against them, uh, themselves, despite all of their excuses, their testifying will not be accepted. The surah as well, it has uh, two very, very interesting verses that shows that Surah Al-Qiyamah is perhaps the fifth or sixth revelation uh, very early on. And that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam something. And that is what? Look at the surah. لَا تُحَرِّكْ بِهِ لِسَانَكَ لِتَحْجَلَ بِهِ Do not move your tongue with haste to try to get the Qur'an quickly. إِنَّ عَلَيْنَا جَمْعَهُ وَقُرْآنَ It is our job to collect it and to recite it to you. By the way, the word Qur'an is being used here. So Allah is calling the Qur'an, the Qur'an very early on. So, فَإِذَا قَرَأْنَاهُ فَاتَّبِعْ قُرْآنَ When we recite it to you, you follow its recitation. ثُمَّ إِنَّ عَلَيْنَا بَيَانَ And then it is our job to explain it. So what would happen as we learn from the books of Seerah, 
is that when Jibreel would first come in the very first times and Jibreel would say something, before Jibreel would finish the verse and move on to the second one, the Prophet ﷺ, just like any of us, when we hear something, we have to memorize it, he would begin to repeat immediately. So, wadduha, 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 wadduha. He's just saying it multiple times. And Allah is saying, don't worry, you're not going to forget it. We will make sure that it's in your mind. You will memorize it. Don't worry. It is our job to gather it and compile it. Your job, when we recite it to you, you follow its recitation, and then we will also explain it to the uh, people. And so this shows us the eagerness of the Prophet ﷺ to memorize the Qur'an. And of course, for him in particular, he didn't have to do what we do, which is to memorize verse verse, Allah is saying, your hifd will be automatic. As soon as you hear it from Jibreel, it will be uh, memorized by you. And the surah as well has another very beautiful uh, passage in it, a very beautiful verse in it, and that is, That on that day, faces will be shining bright. Why will they be shining bright? Because they are looking at their uh, Lord. So this is a very explicit uh, verse in the Quran out of many that reminds us that one of the big, what, that the biggest blessing of Jannah will be to see the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah make us amongst those people. And this verse also has, this surah also has a very powerful verse. أَيَحْسَبُ الْإِنسَانُ أَنْ يُتْرَكَ سُدَى Again, a very powerful verse here. Did man think that he would be left without any purpose? Did man think that he would be left without any reason of being here? SubhanAllah, the one who created us, he will be the one who guides us as well. And so we are told that it is impossible to imagine a creator who would bring about all of this perfection and would bring about all of this harmony and then he would leave us without guidance and without purpose. So think about this as well. The Suda here means without any purpose. It is nonsensical to assume that there is a God, but then that God did not tell us what to do. Rather, there is a creator and the guidance was more important than the creation. By the way, this is, goes back to again, Al-Rahman The Quran comes before insan. The guidance is there before the uh, creation. Uh, the next surah, Surah Al-Insan, also called Surah Al-Dahr. And again, I, I, I have to say this is definitely also one of my favorite uh, surahs. Uh, surah Al-Insan is also called Surah Al-Dahr uh, because the word, the word insan and dahar, they both occur in the first verse. هَلْ أَتَى عَلَى الْإِنسَانِ حِينٌ مِنَ الدَّهْرِ And of course, insan means mankind and dahar means uh, time. And this surah, uh, our Prophet ﷺ himself would uh, typically recite this surah every single Friday in the Fajr Salah. So it is uh, reported in the Sunnah that generally speaking, in the mornings of the Friday Salah, he would recite Surah Al-Sajda in the first rak'ah and Surah Al-Insan in the second rak'ah. And this is an early uh, Meccan surah. And the theme is to remind mankind to be thankful to Allah. And Surah Al-Insan again is a very simple surah to understand and comprehend. I strongly, strongly encourage you to read the entire surah, memorize it, understand the translation of it. It has a timeless uh, message to it. And again, very uh, powerful surah. The beginning is especially powerful. هَلْ أَتَى عَلَى الْإِنسَانِ حِينٌ and you want to translate this like, uh, you know, not literally, but 
Isn't it, wasn't it only recently, O oh man, that you were an unknown entity, not even worth mentioning? SubhanAllah, the year before you were born or the year before I was born, no one knew that you would be here. No one knew. Your name, your existence itself was unknown. No one knew who you were, your characteristics. He was nothing, not even worth mentioning, nothing even knew you. Then, We were the ones who created you from a drop of mixed fluid in order to test you, right? We made you hearing and seeing. We are the ones who showed you the path. You can either try to be thankful or you can be the worst of those who are the most uh, ungrateful. And uh, in this surah as well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the uh, righteous people. Again, very powerful verses. And again, one of the reasons why, uh, and I've, I've quoted this in many of my khutbahs and sermons, that this surah goes back to maybe the first or second year of the da'wah of teaching. And this surah was revealed really even before the salah was made mandatory, even before the salah was made obligatory. And in this surah, we hear some of the characteristics of the believers. That, who are they? The believers are those who, they feed their own food, even though they need that food. They feed it to others, and they feed it to the miskeen, and they feed it to the orphan and they feed it to the prisoners who don't have any, nobody. So the prisoners, by the way, why is prisoners mentioned here? Because generally speaking, people have no compassion for the prisoners, right? Prisoners of war, they're not from your place or town. They're not from your background. They're people that have done something really dastardly, yet still they're human beings. They need to be fed, right? And so Allah is saying the believers are those who they give of their own food. And subhanAllah, when this verse came down, dear Muslims, think about this. The earliest converts, they are a handful in number and the people that they're going to be giving food to are not even Muslims, they're idol worshippers. But you see, our religion, yes indeed, it tells people not to worship idols. That's very, very, you know, uncompromising. At the same time, it tells us we have to be compassionate and merciful to all of humanity. When it comes to feeding food, our religion does not tell us to quiz the religion of the one whom we're giving food to. A'udhu billah, give food to everybody. Give food to anybody who needs it. وَيُطْعِمُونَ الطَّعَامَ عَلَىٰ حُبِّهِ And then on top of that, they say that لا نريد منكم جزاء ولا شكر. We don't want you to thank us. We're not doing this for you to thank us. We are feeding you because we, this is what Allah wants us to do. We're feeding you because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to do that. So when we feed other people, we have to understand that feeding the hungry, feeding the poor, it is not something we do as da'wah for Islam, that we want the Kodak moment. Somebody come in, you know, I say Kodak moment, that's a very 70s, 80s phrase. The new generation doesn't even know what Kodak is. Uh, I should say, the Instagram moment, right? So, or the Facebook moment, we should say. So we don't feed the hungry so that we publicize our good deeds. No, we don't feed the hungry so that we think it's gonna give a good image to Islam. Feeding the hungry is not PR for Islam. Feeding the hungry is Islam. That's exactly what this verse is saying. And I've said this again so many times in the khutbahs that I've delivered over the last, you know, so many decades that SubhanAllah, you know, I feel that we have a lot of us, we have put our priorities uh, incorrectly. We haven't taken our priorities from the Quran and from the uh, Sunnah. And many of us, for many of us, religion uh, takes on a different reality. 
the earliest revelations, even before salah was made obligatory, Allah is telling the Muslims, go feed the hungry. I'm not saying, Ahudu Billah, that salah is not important. I just said a few minutes ago that they ended up in Jahannam because they didn't pray. But why can't we bring that together? Why, why do some segments of religious folks think that religiosity is limited to rituals, limited to the salah and the length of the beard and other things? And they might be important in their own way. Where did the whole picture of of Islam go and it is because and I have to be again frank here because of that segment who seem to concentrate on some aspects but ignore others that many other people are somewhat frustrated or irritated by a false sense of religiosity because that group and again they don't represent the the mainstream religion they definitely don't represent the Quran or the Prophet we need to broaden the notion of religiosity religiosity includes first and foremost the worship of Allah and then feeding the hungry before Allah made the salah obligatory, He told Muslims to feed the hungry. And I say to you, if Muslims made feeding the hungry the priority that the Quran does, there would be no negative PR against Muslims. Not that we're doing it for the negative PR, but Alhamdulillah, if it happens, it happens. We're doing it for the sake of Allah. But if we did our job, Allah would bless us with many things. And one of those blessings, it's not something we aim for, but if it comes, we're happy. One of those blessings is that society understands, you know what, Muslims are good people, wherever they go, they they are they're pious they're honest they're trustworthy and they feed the hungry as the quran uh, says back to the surah over here that the quran describes uh, the people who uh, reject allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and uh, allah says inna these people they only desire the temporary pleasures of this world and they leave ahead of them a heavy day that they have to account for subhanallah Dear Muslims, even though the verse applies to people who don't worship Allah whatsoever, still, let's make sure this verse does not apply even a fractional amount. They enjoy the pleasures of this temporary world, and then they have a heavy day to account for in the hereafter. We don't want to be amongst them. The surah is very clear. It concludes, This is a reminder. So whoever wants to be guided to his Lord will be guided, but they will only be guided if Allah wants them to be guided. The final surah today, Surah Al-Mursalat. Surah Al-Mursalat is a, again, Makki surah. And again, the main theme, just like pretty much all of the surahs of today, it is to warn uh, those people who deny the day of judgment. And Mursalat is a reference to the winds being sent out. Arsala yursilu Mursalat, that which is sent out. And this surah is known for a repetitive verse 10 times in this surah, even though the surah is a page and a half. 10 times the verse occurs, Woe to those who deny the day of judgment. And in this surah, Allah uses so many examples of this world and of past nations to underscore that there will be a day of judgment. Did we not destroy the previous civilizations? Did we not create you from a fluid that is despised? Have we not made this earth a lodging place for both the living and the dead? As well, some of the punishments and the rewards of the hereafter are mentioned. And those that are being punished are described. When it was said to them, Come and prostrate to Allah, they would not do so. So we had better make sure that we are of those who prostrate and do ruku' to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the surah concludes with a very, very powerful question. And with this, we conclude as well. So what other message after this one will they believe in? What else will they believe in? If they're going to reject this, there is nothing left. 
There is no other message. There is no other book. There is no other religion that answers the fundamental big questions of life other than Islam and the book of the Quran and the message of our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Insha'Allah Ta'ala, tomorrow will be our second to last. We are winding down now. And I know we have uh, one Jews left, but because there are so many surahs, we'll be dividing those surahs into two uh, episodes. And insha'Allah, I will see you then. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. شهر رمضان الذي أنزل فيه القرآن هدى للناس وبينات من الهدى والفرقان فمن شهد منكم الشهر فليصم وَمَنْ كَانَ مَرِيضًا أَوْ عَلَى سَفَرٍ فَعِدَّةٌ مِّنْ أَيَّامٍ أُخَرٍ يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ بِكُمُ الْيُسْرَ وَلَا يُرِيدُ بِكُمُ الْعُسْرَ وَلِتُكْمِلُوا الْعِدَّةَ وَلِتُكَبِّرُوا اللَّهَ عَلَى مَا هَدَاكُمْ وَلَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ